Hello, language hackers. Benny Lewis here from the Language Hacking Podcast, where we share the stories and questions of everyday language learners from around the world and discover smarter, faster ways to learn a language. I enjoyed making this episode a lot as Shannon and I chatted with fellow language entrepreneur, Peter Galante, the founder of Innovative Languages, which is my go-to podcast series when I'm learning a new language or when I want to refresh a language I already know. There's a ton of interesting stuff in this episode. I especially appreciate what Peter shares on how to build an effective learner profile so you can always be sure you're learning the right things at the right time, whichever stage you're at along your language journey. One more thing before we start. I want to say thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave a review for the Language Hacking Podcast. It really helps us spread the word about language hacking. I especially liked Grandma Pietschi's review who said, I'm enjoying this podcast so much, I can't wait for the next episode. It has been tremendously encouraging for my language learning. I tuned in for the second episode when I was in a funk and not wanting to do anything. By the end of the show, I was ready to jump in and study again. It was a wonderful show. Thanks so much for all your uplifting encouragement. Wow, thank you for that so much, Grandma Pietschi. I was really touched to hear how the podcast had impacted you. So please, if you're enjoying this podcast, leave a review at Apple Podcast or your favorite podcasting app. We love to hear from you, and we do read every single review that's shared. Now, let's get started. And remember that all the resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at languagehacking.com slash nine. Let's get right into today's episode. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Shannon. Hello. And today, we are interviewing Peter Galante from Innovative Language. So thanks for joining us today, Peter. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here, and uh, it's good to see you after all this time. Six years since our last in-person meeting, right? That's right, yep. And uh, Shannon, really great to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. So go ahead. Why don't we just jump right in and let us know what led you to starting Innovative Languages? So I remember in high school, I kind of struggled with the language courses I took. And I spent many, many years studying um, Italian and things never really went right. However, after graduating college, I moved to Japan and um, found a lot of success in immersion learning. And I found that Japan had many different layers. Um, have you studied Japanese at all, uh, Shannon or uh, Benny? I remember you have. Yes. So um, I think that when you learn a language, the way it's presented in a classroom can often be radically or very different than what's spoken amongst your friends. So Japan is kind of on, Japanese is kind of on the extreme of that. The teaching class is taught in this, uh, taught in this polite language style. And when you meet your friends, they kind of speak a bit of a different language. So when I came to Japan, I had studied in a classroom and I, I kind of learned this different language. So in 2004, podcasting just was getting started. And I thought to myself, maybe I have something to share with other Japanese learners, people who are experiencing this. So Shannon, have you come across that where you're studying the polite language and then you have a conversation with someone and it's like, how come you're not using the polite language? Absolutely. It's completely different. 
Benny, maybe similar for you too. Yeah, and it's an issue that I've faced in uh, several different languages that, of course, the formal version that you learn academically is absolutely nothing like what people are actually talking in the street. So I can definitely understand that divide. So originally, that's what um, I thought that I could share with other learners. And I started a podcast. And um, the first day we launched, we had uh, zero downloads. I remember refreshing inbox and nothing was coming in. And then uh, I remember getting the first email about three days into the podcast. And um, this was December 2004. And then just by fortune, I guess there was a Japan file or Japan file, someone who loved Japanese culture in Apple. And they took our little podcast and they stuck it on the front page of this new, interesting way to communicate with people, the podcast page. And we went from about 100 downloads a day to a million in one month. Wow. So I never got to thank that person, but that's kind of how we kick-started things. Uh, just started with um, kind of an idea to help people get some insight into learning Japanese. Because I remember learning back in New York, going to the library, <laughs> using physical tapes. Probably some people that you're listening audience can't even relate to this right now. But uh, here I was able to give them real language, direct from Tokyo, kind of helping sift through all the mistakes I made and kind of sharing a bit of what's going on when you actually make some friends rather than what's in the classroom. I think that resonated. And from there, the business kind of started. At the time, was it called Japanese Pod 101? Correct. Yes. And we had one podcast and uh, right now we have 34. So we started with one website and now we have 34 websites. What was the next language after Japanese, just out of pure curiosity? Korean. Shifting to the business aspect of things for a minute, um, a lot came down to um, the resource, the human resources that um, we could uh, work with. And when you're starting out, um, you know, Benny, I think you can uh, relate to this very well. One of the challenges that you face is finding talented resources that you can work with. And where do you find them? I was studying for my uh, PhD in economics at the time when the business started, and I have never, I had never run a business. And I remember business courses I had taken. Uh, when I was studying for a master's degree. And basically, if you need human resources, you call your human resource department. <laughs> when you look around and it's just you and you don't have a human resource department, it's a bit challenging. <laughs> so you have to get creative. And one of the ways that we were able to grow our initial human resources and find super talented people was actually Craigslist. We would put out an ad for someone who wanted to be on the show. And we found some very, very talented people, very different uh, marketplace at the time in 2004. But, um, you know, that ability to work. And then from there, we found one or two people. And then we actually shifted to our community because you have a, a group of very passionate learners. And from there, you find people who are doing all of these things to help and assist. And we would then talk to people in the community and say, hey, do you want to help build something? And I'm curious, when you uh, kick things off with uh, the Korean edition, did you have much experience with Korean yourself? Or how did you uh, set the uh, kind of teaching philosophy so that it would follow what you had done with Japanese? Ooh, um, the short answer to that is, I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's, 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 very, it's a great question. Um, we had originally created um, a series called Survival Phrases. And these were the 60 
Well, we started with 30, the 30 most important phrases and cultural tips that someone visiting the country or someone coming to Japan could get started right away. So basically, the premise was if you had a 12-hour flight, you could listen to this course, hit the ground running, and we gave them enough language so they can interact with people, but we were hoping that the language we gave them would lead to further conversation and then deepening the relationship and connection that they would have when they were here to give them a better experience. So we had a bit of a template. So actually, the first job that we hired, the Korean, the super talented Korean-American person who took the position, was to duplicate this series. And we, we chose that for two reasons. One, if you could do this, you were a superhero because it was a very challenging thing. Um, we had tried with other languages. Korean wasn't our first choice. We had tried with other languages, uh, more European-centric. And um, I remember uh, working with a French person who took the position to, to create the series and within a few days realized, wow, this is way too much work, so I, I'm going to bow out. But the uh, Korean-American person was resilient. And we were looking for that as kind of a way to test if someone... Because you have limited resources when you're starting. So we had to find a way to find uh, super talented people. And this person, it was kind of a labor of love that they finished this project. And then we hired them right away because, to be honest, um, it was almost a task that was impossible to do. With the podcast lessons, you have a very specific structure that's kind of used to teach the languages. And I'm wondering how you kind of developed that into what it is, like what determined that structure as far as using dialogues and the way the vocabulary is taught? Yeah, uh, wow, that's a, that's an excellent question. So, so there's two phases. Um, so originally, um, when we were starting, um, much of the the content was um, gra like grammar centric. So we would create a conversation focusing on a specific grammar point. And at that particular time, we had language learners, passionate people, uh, myself included, creating the conversation. So they tended to be more story based and grammar based. And um, they had characters that would grow. As, it was almost like a, a TV series. Uh, whereas as time went by and um, the can do and the, uh, the CFR has taken more precedent now, things have become more can do based. So several years ago, we hired someone who just got their PhD from Todai, the, the, uh, one of the top universities in Tokyo. And they kind of touch on what you were talking about, Shannon, a controlled vocabulary. So we start with 800 words that will appear in the first level. And then from there, we select the can do points that we want to teach for each level. And it's interesting because you kind of have to redo the content from scratch because it's kind of taking grammar-based and story-based content with not tight control in the vocabulary or the can-do. Um, so sorry, if, if you uh, for can-do, for example, it's like can order at a restaurant. If you take these type of lessons, you don't have that tight control when you're first creating it. We, we're basically recreating this content, um, which is okay because we're moving more to video now and it gives us a good chance to really go through and tighten the quality and the academic um, quality of the content. So it's two different stages. One was bootstrapping, getting things started, having fun. We would go into the studio and we would record for an hour and then we'd edit for 12 hours. Now we have the scripts written beforehand with the vocabulary and the can do and the grammar tightly controlled by level. And um, when I think of a podcast, I imagine just simply the audio uh, available on uh, some kind of a service, be it iTunes, 
or um, multiple other services like the ones that people can listen to this podcast on. But uh, behind the scenes, there's a lot more going on when somebody can listen to a single episode. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you started expanding on just a, just an audio file that somebody would listen to? Yeah, again, stages. Um, you know, if anyone is out there thinking of trying something, just do it. You know, get something out there and refine it. Don't try to make it perfect from the start. And I think that was one of the secrets to our success. Um, if, you, if you go back and listen to uh, some of our older original content, um, it's charming in its own way, but um, it's not very structured. But as long as you're, you keep analyzing and refining, you're going to be okay and you're going to grow something and it will become special. So when we first started, um, we didn't have a script. Um, we didn't have time constraints. And it allowed for a freer talk and um, kind of it allows for fun and we're all smiling and enjoying um, this podcast now. But as time goes by and you're hiring different talent, professional voice actors, you, you have to really be prepared when they come in and do their lines. So one of the big steps that we had with these professional voice actors coming in to make the characters in the conversation more engaging. And when you go from a price point of 15 or $10 or $20 per hour to $100 an hour, you have to make the most of their time. And then sometimes they can do 10 characters. So you have to plan out ahead. So you write all the scripts out. The introduction becomes very refined. Um, in, in our early days, it'd be like, oh, you know, hey, Benny, how are you? Shannon, are things well? Oh, yeah, things are good in Tokyo. But people, if they listen to the lesson more than once, they don't really want to hear that. They want to hear, welcome to this lesson. You're going to learn how to order at a restaurant. The conversation takes place with two friends. So the conversation is casual. Now, the key point is we're going to focus on politely declining something and going with something else. Have a listen. Then the structure comes and then the work is done up front many, many hours. You know, one of the, the best ways I could put it right now into a 10-minute podcast you hear now, there's probably 30 hours put up front of people working to make sure that every minute you're listening, you're getting the highest return on your time invested with us. And as well as well as the, the audio itself, though, you've expanded to the back end of the site a lot of other things, like um, a means to revise the vocabulary and even uh, teachers that can uh, help guide students from from the back end as well. And I was um, going through Portuguese Pod 101 the other day because uh, I'm really giving my Portuguese a boost. And there was a, a very, very detailed exam effectively that I had to fill out so that I could demonstrate what my level was. So how, how did you get all of those extra pieces um, to, to really expand it into a learning system beyond the, the audio itself? Man, Benny, I'm taking notes here. I, you summed it up perfectly, a language learning system. Um, again, I think it goes back to refining. So we started with just the audio podcast, and then someone said, can we have you know the lesson notes with it? So we would give the lesson notes, and then inside of the lesson notes, you get the text of the conversation, um, you get the key vocabulary and the key grammar point. And from there, um, one of the hardest things to do was to get the transcript, because much like inside of this transcript, um, if you have the time to invest to listen to it all, it's excellent. But then there's no way to search it. So we needed the text to go back and search it. And sometimes 
the really interesting stuff is the interaction between the hosts and what the, we usually pair a learner with a teacher. So sometimes the learner has, sometimes the learner has some really interesting information that's added in the transcript, but doesn't show in the lesson notes. So then once we have that, we have the key building blocks, the grammar, the vocab, the key elements that the learner's sharing. And so you're learning some of the same mistakes or obstacles that you came across, the learners helping you traverse. And then some of the things that your teacher never showed you or didn't introduce you or had a different way of showing it, a new teacher showing you. And then we rotate the hosts. So as time went by, we'd had this massive library of content. I think Japanese has probably 2,000 lessons. But now if you're a new learner, how, where do you start? So then that's where this assessment test comes in. Where do these lessons fall? And that's where, Shannon, as you mentioned, the vocabulary. Actually, you want that tighter grouping at level one. How do we place someone? So, you, so many of you came, you took the exam and we pay, place you into an area. Then we give you a, a roadmap there. And then one of the key things to engage and keep focused in a lesson is using it. And that's where this guided teacher comes in. Um, you can chat with this teacher, you know, each day and send audio, video recordings. And a lot of language for me, at least the kind of philosophy is that it's a lot of your self-study. You have to self-study and then self-practice to get ready for that time that you actually spend speaking. And that's what we wanted to kind of build these tools to do. And so people wanted different things and we tried to accommodate them and then add it to a system that allows for also, we added books, too, because some people like to read. So we try to give lots of people different options because there's different type of learners, visual versus auditory. You mentioned earlier that there's more than 30 languages, a part of the language family. And so this obviously entails managing quite a big international team, I would imagine. And so I'm curious to know, because I'm a lot of the people listening to this podcast are learning languages and some of them are doing it for fun, but some of them might be interested in pursuing a career. So beyond kind of the obvious like translator, interpreter or educator, you know, running a language business, there's plenty of other roles that someone could kind of fall into. So could you give us a little bit of a peek of some of the things someone might do at a language company like Innovative and like get to work in languages, but not necessarily take on one of those more obvious job responsibilities? Yeah, I, I think um, it's a very, very good question. Um, well, first is the maybe if one of the questions people have is like, how do you get a job with maybe innovative language? How do you get a job with Fluent in three months, right? And, uh, you know, I think, Benny, you can probably share a lot here. And uh, Shannon, you can share a lot, too. I'm, I'm of the firm belief that if you provide really good value and you work hard enough, you, you give yourself the best chance to succeed in whatever you want to do. So let's take how we built. Um, many of the first people we hired were extremely active community members who, to be honest, in a way, were working as an intern or a volunteer and providing such value for Innovative that we would go out and approach them and say, can you please work for us? Benny, maybe you have uh, <laughs> some similar stories here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of Team Fluent in Three Months was... Um, and was pinged by the community. We started, um, we might have sent out uh, an email to see, test the waters and see, see who might have particular skills or somebody who is already volunteering and helping things out. So that's uh, very similar story to yours. And that, of course, includes Shannon. <laughs> so yeah, if you provide value 
you make it irresistible for someone to come and um, approach you. And then once you get your foot in the door, if you keep excelling, then you probably get more and more projects thrown your way. So that's how a lot of the people in our company came to uh, work in the positions that they've worked in. And it's, um, you know, customer service. But Shannon, as you mentioned, many of the people were first Japanese learners. We have, uh, we have one uh, gentleman with us and he's been with us for two people, actually two gentlemen, 14 years. And they started with us and they found the position by finding us online and saying, thank you, this is fun and, you know, adding value. And then we they worked with us as an intern. We gave them more work. They hit, it out, they hit it out of the park again. They did a really great job again. We gave them more and we evolved together. So I think if you provide value and also one thing too, is sometimes, you know, it's expectations. People don't think that they can work with fluent in three months or innovative language because there's this kind of psychological barrier in a way. Well, these guys are making videos that are going viral. These guys are doing big things. So when in reality, you know, Benny's so approachable. I remember when we met in Japan, it was so fun. It was like talking to someone we had, somebody knew. So if you take a chance and put yourself out there, work hard, provide value, then you can get your foot in the door. And from the foot, when you should get your foot in the door and you're talented, we've had people going all the way up to senior levels, all the way just providing within their lifestyle. So they're traveling and they, they enjoy our product. They use our product. They just want to give some value back. So we create a role for them. So it, it runs the gamut of just providing, you know, uh, just working together for a short time versus becoming a core member of the team. I hope that was <laughs> like answered kind of what the question was. Yeah, and it's very interesting to see the parallels that uh, other language learning companies go through for similar things. Although um, you have quite a big team. I still re I remember when I visited the office six years ago that I was quite surprised that uh, there were rows of people working at, um, at their computers doing various things. So uh, it's, you've really grown it into a, a, a true empire um, from what I could tell six years ago. How, how has it evolved over the years? And what would you say has changed, uh, for instance, since I got to see it? Well, again, these different stages, I cannot stress enough if anyone's listening and, you know, if you're listening, it applies to language learning and um, business and many different things which are goal oriented. If you're goal oriented, you know, setting that goal and working towards that goal, I think is, um, you know, one of the keys. And when our early goals were to get the next lesson out tomorrow. <laughs> so our turnaround deadline was 24 hours. You know, Benny, I'm sure so many parallels, right? Hey, we need that article by tomorrow. And the deadlines are so crunched. And as you evolve, now it's not, let's get a lesson out tomorrow, but we need a curriculum and the curriculum needs to be reviewed by a person with these credentials. And if the person with these credentials doesn't sign off, we can't move. So, you know, as you, as you grow, things take time, but I think if you're growing the right way, it's reflected in the quality of the product, the value you're providing. And that's what we, that's what we try to do. So initially we were providing um, value, but um, now I think we're providing higher quality values. So we have more checks in place, um, videos a little harder, uh, more high cost to produce. And, uh, we managed to, um, when we first started, we were an audio centric company. And now, um, I think our YouTube network just crossed 10 million across the 34 channels. So 10 million subscribers. Um, and I think, um, we should pass 1 billion aggregate views, um, 
probably sometime next year for, that's just for the uh, videos. So it takes a bit more time, but one of the things that we're most excited about is this tight integration of academic standards plus video, high quality video content. And I think it's, I can speak from experience, it's very, very challenging to do. You have media centric companies producing very engaging, interesting content, and you have academic companies producing very high level content. But what we're trying to do is, and I think it's, it reflects to what you mentioned before, the, pod, the Portuguese uh, pod 101 path that you're going down. It's we're trying to really, that test you took, here's a very rigorous test to put you into a very small window so we can provide you with some of the best content we've created. And that will really hopefully show with the results from the, the content you consume with us and the way you move in our system. And in a time when everyone's so busy, I mean, it's really tough to compete against Netflix <laughs> when that's, it's so fun and engaging, but so we kind of have to fight for your time in a way and give you the best return on your language time invested, right? We want to give you the best return on the time invested because you have so many options in this world. We've talked quite a bit about the business of innovative, but I'm really curious to know a bit about kind of your personal history behind this. So the whole reason that this started was because you were learning Japanese and you felt that there was a gap in the resources that you were using. So you decided to create something that filled that gap and would have been a resource that you as a learner would have wanted to use. So I guess my question is first, um, why did you start learning Japanese? What got you into the language? You said that you were an engineering major. So I'm curious to know how Japanese kind of fit in with that. Wow. <laughs> you guys asked the good questions for like very tough questions. Well, wow, you're a good interviewer. Um, I need some more coffee at 8 a.m. in the morning <laughs> to really, <laughs> these are challenging. Um, so I first got into um, Japanese and I think, you know, Shannon and Benny, I, I think my personal experience, if you are interested in Japanese, you like things the hard way, the path less taken in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the language, uh, any, any language or any mission, again, um, goes back to being goal centric and um, that ability to reach a goal. Um, it's, it's a combination of self-discipline, motivation, m- many different things. Hopefully we could touch on in this podcast. So um, I started studying Japanese in high school uh, because we had an exchange student come to, uh, a exchange teacher come to stay at our house. And um, through meeting this person, I became interested in um, Japanese. And when I went to university, uh, I met my uh, Japanese teacher and she encouraged me to go to Japan. So I was really excited to go to Japan. The Japanese economy was number two in the world. I was in New York. So I thought there's so many Japanese companies. I'll go to Japan. I'll learn Japanese for a year. I'll come back and I'll get a job and some position like in a movie I saw. So that's, you know, that was kind of my mindset. Um, pre-internet, early 90s, so pre-internet. So my first job interview after uh, college, I tried to get something called the JET program here. I went in, had a great interview, and then got my rejection letter. <laughs> so from there, you know, it goes back to resilience. So I got my rejection letter and my attitude wasn't like, all right, let me find something else. I'm like, they're telling me no, I'm going to Japan. So I found a different way to come. I found a different school to come and teach with, and I got my way to Japan. And then I worked hard on my Japanese. And again, I like that expression that, um, you know, luck is 
uh, preparation plus timing. So I had come as a teacher. I learned to teach. I'd come back into the academic thing. I, after a few years of teaching, I went to Japanese school, got into a master's program here in Japan at one of the universities, studying for my PhD in economics. And then podcasting started. And it gave me no experience in publishing, no experience in radio, no experience in anything, a platform. And, but I had the preparation and fortunately I had the timing, but that, that element is such an important part of it. And by starting this, I was able to contact a friend back home, a partner who became a business partner. We were able to grow the team. And um, I didn't know anything about managing. And unfortunately, you know, I learned through mistakes. I made plenty. But that ability, that resilience to, you're not going. What do you mean I'm not going? I'm going. It's motivational. So. And how has your, um, how has your Japanese skills uh, since then, how have they developed and um, how have you used your, your own uh, podcasts through listening to the actors, uh, the voice actors themselves? I'm very curious to hear how your own skills have developed over the years. So um, I had outlined three things, you know, um, that I wanted to share with your base. I mean, you know, Benny, your material is inspirational. We have many people come from your site and uh, I think we have vice versa. You know, so many people in the language space share so many things. Uh, Shannon, I really appreciate all the content you create. There's some really great tips and things on your site. Your community is so passionate. Sometimes I go into the forum and, you know, it's inspirational to see. I remember specifically um, Benny, one person who was writing, you know, it's so difficult for me. I try to speak and other people, their, their English is better than mine. So they shut me down and, you know, your team goes in. It's like, you know, got, got to be resilient, got to keep going, you know? So I had, I'd outlined three points kind of want to touch on share with your base. And, um, the first one goes to your question. I think when I start a language, I start with, um, something called a language profile and I create a language profile, not in a language, but actually in English. And I think this goes to your question of time, like what point in your, where, where are you in your life? And the point you are in your life will really create part of your language profile. So let me give you an example. Certain words have higher value for different people. So when I first started the business, I was married and I didn't have kids. So kids didn't, when I started to learn a language, my language profile, Friday night, Saturday night, <laughs> restaurant, going out. You know, it was very centric to my lifestyle. The numbers in my profile were centric to my age, 30 years old. I basically start with, you know, some of the basic things about myself. You know, I'm American, so I need, I'm from New York. So I need words and vocabulary centric to this because I often will touch on this early when I'm communicating with someone. And so when I first started, I needed a different set of words in my language learning journey. And fast forward to now, and I need words such as, I need to be able to read legal documents. (laughs) I need to know accounting. So in short, my professional skill Japanese is through the roof, and my social interaction on a Friday night is through the floor. So this profile is constantly changing. And I recommend anyone who starts a language, start out where you are in life. If you're an engineer, write down your job, write down what you're doing, because you're probably not going to need doctors and uh, lawyers stuff as much. And a lot of the content you are introduced to is tries to cater to the general masses when really what you need is a more individual, tailored, detailed approach 
to go and getting ahead. So to answer your question, when I first started, it was, I was more proficient in other areas and now I'm more proficient in newer areas, but I'm constantly keeping up. And one of my other favorite blogs that you had wrote, uh, written about, Benny, was bringing back a dead language. Do you remember that post? Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe you could just tell everyone to what, I'm talk, uh, what we're talking about here because it's so good. Yeah, there was a, um, a project I had. I think this is actually ahead of the polyglot uh, gathering, the very, very first one, where I wanted to uh, visit Budapest. And this was several years after I had learned Hungarian and I had forgotten it. So the post was uh, alluding to the fact that I was um, kind of going through my old materials and getting through it uh, quite fast to reach a point close enough to where I, where I had left off a few years before. So I think that's the post that you're talking about. One of my favorite posts, you know, out of the many my blogosphere, it's, it's because it gets to the heart of something. You know, we learn fast, but we forget fast. Um, and being able to maintain and making a space for something. And it's kind of one of the other points that I think I wanted to kind of touch on today for language learning is you really need to sit down and go through your routine. And it's not 15 minutes, but you need to go through a week of your life to see where language learning will fit or any goal you want will fit. And the post is so inspirational because way, because you, you learn a language, you forget, and then you can bring it back. But if you want to maintain it and you create a routine, so you lay out your whole week and you're like, I'm, I'm really busy. I have my kids, I have my job, I have my significant other. There's not a lot of time for language learning. Where can I carve out the time? And you carve out 30 minutes on a Monday night and don't do anything else and see if that will fit in your schedule because it's not easy to keep that time. Then try to match the routine with the medium. So if you're commuting to work and you're going for 30 minutes, that's why I like audio so much. It's like, if I'm commuting for 30 minutes, I'll listen to audio. And now I have 30 minutes of listening to audio, 30 minutes on a Monday night, I'm at an hour. And then I try to keep that in my routine for about a month. And if I can, then I'll add more. And what it does is it weaves into your routine something that will allow you to keep and maintain a language because, you know, Benny, that was the best article because, yeah, we learn and then we forget. But how do you maintain is and how do you fit it in to a lifestyle? That's, that's the tricky part for not just language learning, but anything you want to add to something, exercise, gym, et cetera. No, and I can definitely relate, especially because, uh, like yourself, I've started an online language learning company and I've... Um, gotten better skilled at certain aspects of the language but then sometimes the business itself ironically has gotten in the way of my language learning just because running the language learning business involves doing things that aren't uh, learning the language so um, I've only um, I've been recently getting back into more intensive language learning as well and I can I could definitely understand that um, uh, the points you were making and uh, I think you were saying there were a couple of things you wanted to make sure you brought up was uh, did you mention all of them or was there something else actually can I just jump in will it totally derail you no no please I just want to, something that you said in that last section, I just really stood out to me. And I think it's important to kind of just make sure we highlight it. And that's um, when we start learning a language, we get really excited and we want to do all the things. So it's like we're trying to stick it in every place that we can. And and we end up with this massive thing of language learning that we're trying to take on right from the start. But you were saying, okay, you've got your one thing 
make it work with your routine. Once that is a part of your routine, take the next thing and then add that in. And then once that's incorporated and in, you add another, and I just think that that's just absolutely worth emphasizing because it's really easy to get excited, especially at the beginning. And you just want to do so much, but it can actually cause problems for you later on. So it's, it's more important to take that approach that you were mentioning. And so I just wanted to say thank you for bringing that up. Oh, no, uh, you summed it up perfectly. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's exactly, that's what we wanted to say. And kind of tying into this, uh, one other thing. So um, we have, I usually start with the language profile. I write down where I am in life, uh, what's going on. Uh, For me, the weekend is so kid-centric. So, you know, Monday I talk to my Korean teacher. What did you do last weekend? Well, kids, we went to the dojo. They studied their karate. Then we took the kids to eat. (laughs) So every sentence involves these key things. Um, The routine is a key component of it. Monday night is my Korean night. Tuesday night is my Hebrew night. So each each year I pick a language and I study at a much slower pace. I, I give myself a year to get to my goal is usually 30 minutes of uh, this conversation. Um, and then, I'm, Benny, you have another great article on like how to maintain something. Um, how many languages can you maintain? And I think my goal is for my higher level languages, which are uh, Japanese, Chinese, and Italian, my goal is to sit through lunch with... 95% conversation and 5% uh, maybe looking through a word uh, in Google Translate or finding a few things in Google Translate. And, you know, for uh, Japanese and Chinese, um, usually uh, Japanese is usually 100 or depending on the topic or 99 or 98. And Chinese is usually that high level two, depending on the topic. And Italian's a little lower, but that, that's the goal I kind of set. Um, and if I could do that, then I can maintain. I show up for lunch and I enjoy, I have a nice lunch and I'm just chatting and the teacher will prepare something. So that, that's kind of like one goal I aspire to get to. So the language profile starts it, then the routine next. And then there's something to, it's called, um, I call them anchor points. But basically, I always think of Gulliver's, Gull, uh, Gulliver's Travels. You know, when they're tying down the giant and they throw one rope over. And at first he's kind of like, okay, but then all of a sudden. So an anchor point would be something like when I start a language, I have a list. And it's like, find my favorite musician. So I'll take some time and then I'll write the musician's name and then I'll find them on YouTube check that list off. Find a TV show, check that off. And this too is a process of finding a local restaurant where I go to and I walk in and I greet someone in the language and then they respond to me. Oh, you're learning the language. So by creating these friendships and these connections with the language, I always see it like the goal of his travel. You're building a stronger and stronger connection to the language because much like with the routine, if I'm learning my main motivation for learning Chinese was uh, to speak with family members in China. My, my wife is Chinese. So we wanted to, so I have a very powerful, that's, that's higher on the anchor point network. It gives you more motivation to do this, but that alone was a train wreck for me in the beginning because that wasn't enough to keep me motivated to, to keep going every day. So by getting a musician, by getting a TV show to watch, by making a friend, by going to the restaurant where the people speak Chinese and interacting with them and getting feedback, it keeps me motivated. You want to use these anchor points to keep your motivation high so that you can continue because I'll turn around for Benny and uh, Shannon, you know, what do you think about motivation 
in relation to success and a goal, your language learning goals? Obviously, it's uh, the key point. If you got no motivation, you're not going to have any success. I tell this to people all the time when they say they want to speak a language, but they mostly want to do it just because it sounds cool or they don't, they don't have some real true motivation that they're way more likely to fail. So I'd absolutely agree with you there. I have to agree as well. If you don't have a real purpose, like something that you can constantly look to as you're learning a language, it's going to be hard for you to kind of maintain through those more difficult, those more trying periods where you're feeling a little bit more challenged or feeling a little bit more demotivated. So having that thing that you can look, remind yourself of why you're doing it and kind of refresh that motivation is just really important. Yeah. And so what I did was I created a checklist. And uh, again, you don't want to start out your first day, as you said, Shannon, check, 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 check. You want to start slowly, go through the list. One week, add a musician and then make sure you find that musician and you loop the stuff on YouTube. Go to Netflix, which is right now, for me, one of the most powerful ways to learn a language. Um, I find a show that I'm familiar with and in, I'm in Japan, so the Netflix, they have Japanese subtitling, Japanese voiceover, Chinese voiceover, Chinese subtitle, Korean voiceover, Korean subtitle. So if I know the content already, for example, Rick and Morty, I don't know if you like the show, but <laughs> we watch that in Japanese. It's, it's very, very, if you think Rick and Morty is wild, watching it subtitled and voiced over in Japanese is a whole nother level, but it's now those type of Things are so motivational. I can't wait to watch the new one first in English and then in Japanese or try to watch in Japanese first and go back to the English. But again, a small little anchor point or a connection that gives you more motivation, keeps your motivation high. Very good. And um, I do definitely understand that I have the exact same process with TV shows. And actually, the first time I ever truly understood Spanish was when I was watching an episode of The Simpsons in Spanish that I had happened to already have seen in English. <laughs> so absolutely um, agree with you there. And I'm curious if you wanted to share with uh, listeners what um, interesting projects you might have on the horizon or uh, what's the future of innovative language um, that you might think people might be interested to hear. So um, great question. Um, right now, the world is, um, you know, uh, it's so different than uh, when we met six years ago. And even last year, um, um, I really, first and foremost, we, we hope everyone is very uh, safe, safety first. And um, because many people are home and we've had a higher uh, interest, we've um, taken one of our pathways, which is um audio or video material. Also, you can test yourself on some self-tests. You get the lesson notes, you get an audio file, transcripts, and we've opened that up so people can access it for free. So you can just experience um, a little bit of learning. If learning language is, you know, what you want to do, or you want to try a new language, you know, we, you could try some of the content uh, for free. Um, innovative language is moving more towards um, being able to have a higher level, a uh, higher academic level. And that needs to be woven in from when you first start to keep the content engaging. So the most interesting, so last year's project was, um, as we continue this academic integration, uh, releasing um, level reading books, starting from a very young child's level up until about uh, second or third grade. Um, most of the books are um, nonfiction, 
So they're a little easier to understand. And what I like about the books is that you can use the images in the book to kind of understand. We don't give you the translation. So it's a little different than parallel text. It's kind of immersion. And um, very, very interesting. One of our users actually created parallel text between two different languages because the book scale across. The gentleman, he took Arabic and <laughs> Turkish and he put them together and he created his own parallel text. So um, kind of going back to the Simpsons and TV shows, if you study one language with us, you can use the books and study another language. So um, that was our project last year. And this year, since the system has come together, we now have the ability for someone to come on, test themselves, get assigned to a level, have um, interaction with someone to allow them to self-study, then practice that material in a distance learning manner where you record something, you send it, the teacher gives you feedback a day later. The next step we feel, and we're currently piloting now, are um, live group classes. And this allows us to really work with the system. The teacher can assign you work before and said, you know, hey, hi, Benny, you're attending this class. Please make sure you do lesson three. And the teacher can see if you did lesson three and send you a reminder if you haven't done it the day before. And that's, we talk about goals and self-discipline, but having that person pushing you is actually one of the keys to learning faster. So we want to use these live lessons to tie in all of the work we've done throughout the years of first getting the interesting content, then adding the academic levels and then the can-do centric content into it, grouping by vocab, and then finally presenting it inside a pathway where a teacher, a professional teacher, can guide you through the pathway that progresses in a way that was designed by, the curriculum was designed by another teacher. So. I love that the teacher can see if you've done the work or not. That's like the best accountability ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, sometimes you need, you know, it's uh, again, I, I think the three, the three of us here are um, language learning is on um, Benny, as you mentioned, you know, it's a part of this, this business we're in. So if you go back to that, the anchor points and the things like some of the content you Britain Benny, it's not just and, and Shannon yourself, if you haven't checked Shannon's, please uh, have a look at what Shannon wrote. It's, it's very, very, it's very powerful for achieving goals. And it's not just limited to language learning. But again, you, that's self-discipline. In, in some ways, learning, language learning is a bit lonely. Um, you know, if you don't have a group to participate in or, you know, things more and more virtual. And, you know, it's fun to meet someone and it's fun to meet new people. And it's fun to see people and learn from them. And it's fun to have a teacher push you. So if you're really self, you know, I think we're, we're talking here and we have, you know, what we do is talk about how to keep self-motivated and how to be uh, goal-oriented. But life is hard and life gets in the way. And I've failed many of my language missions uh, because life gets in the way. And you have to, I think, Shannon, you, you, you pointed out so well before that. You know, listen, you got you to understand you're not, you, you might not get it all your first time. Just don't, don't beat yourself up. Take a step back. And I think um, you really have to understand, go at your pace and push yourself. But if you can't, that's where that teacher or uh, advisor can really help you get back on track. Hey, I noticed you haven't done anything in a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me get back and do that. Hey, you have a class tomorrow. Everyone else did their work. Are, are you going to do your work? No pressure. <laughs> oh man, I got to do my work. So I think it's another tool 
that you can use. And even, you know, for us who are highly motivated, it's great to have someone pushing you, well, sorry, gent- gently nudging you. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to push. Uh, I just wanted to say that this is uh, the Language Hacking Podcast. So we always like to ask people each episode, um, what is their understanding of language hacking? So what does lang- language hacking mean to you? For me, language hacking is more about, well, two, there are two buckets. and. I think there's the planning and the strategy hacking. And I think that's what we touched about today. You know, um, hey, do you have a language profile? Do you understand how you speak in your own language? The first time I made my language profile, I recorded myself for like five hours. And I found, I was like, wow, I say my kids' names a lot. I I created a frequency list of this. And that, oh, wow, I I need a different set of vocabulary words than I'm learning in my textbook because I went to the glossary. When we use, again, when you use academically based things, you're using different lists of texts. And sometimes, so the most frequently used words in text may not be in spoken and they may not be suited for your case. So this ability to create this profile falls into the strategic thing, how to set the routine, how to make sure you're, you're reaching these small goals and the anchor points. So we talked a lot about strategy and I think I kind of want to focus on that a bit because, um, you know, when it comes to the tips and actual execution, that could be a whole nother podcast. And uh, I think Benny, you have some great stuff, incredible stuff on your site. Uh, Shannon, you have some really incredible stuff on your site. So we didn't really get a chance to touch on the tools. So for me, language hacking today um, is coming up with a strategy that will help you stay motivated, fit language into your routine so that it becomes a part of, you know, part of your schedule, part of your routine so that you can really get to 15 minutes and you don't stop there. Your next is 30 minutes. Then you want to read. And if it's woven into what you do and you have a good strategy and you can hack reaching your goal, then I think that's going to give you the best chance of succeeding longer term. And you know, one of the things that language learning for me has enriched my life so much. Um, international friends, a network, a business, a wife, you know. So I think these type of things can be, you know, life-changing. So if you can set yourself up to succeed, that's to me what today we spoke about for language hacking. And there's a whole nother component of how to learn faster, which uh, you know, we, we were, at, we're out of time, but that's, that's kind of a different topic. Yeah, that's a, a great answer. I think um, the, today we mostly wanted to just hear your story and the uh, background from the uh, innovative language. So it's, it's okay. We didn't touch on um, the other tools and resources. I found it very interesting to hear a bit more about uh, everything that is that goes into this uh, one of my favorite resources by far. So uh, thank you very much for your time today and for um, sharing your story with us. And of course, we will be t- uh, giving lots of links in the show notes for people to uh, check out Innovative Language and all my favorite podcasts that you have, you guys have in your uh very big um, scope of languages that you cover. And um, again, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all of this with us. 
Well, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for having us. And um, the same goes for you. You know, I have uh, taken a lot of inspiration and uh, from your site, uh, Shannon, uh, it was very good to get to know you and uh, read your material. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. And on behalf of me and the many fans of yours out there, Benny, it was really such a pleasure. And, you know, it's always fun to meet and talk to people who um, are like-minded because uh, this was a lot of fun. I hope I didn't talk too much. So, um, but it was, it was really interesting and fun. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. Yep. And I hope to see you again in Tokyo again as soon as it's safe to go there. <laughs> that would be great. And uh, Shannon, you too. Uh, maybe we could uh, do one. Uh, do an, uh, do, remember we uh, did a recording from our studio. Maybe we could do another one this time in the video studio. That would be fun. All right. So thanks again for joining us. And uh, for everybody else, I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you in the next one. And until then, happy language learning. Happy language learning. Hello there, it's Benny Lewis here, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed spending time with Peter. In this episode, Peter shared three important things you should think about to increase your chances of becoming a successful language learner. They are, one, your language profile. This is where you are in life and what words have high value for you like the vocabulary that's most relevant to your lifestyle and who you are. This will change as you go through life. For example, at one point, learning to discuss your weekend plans and work life may be most important, but at a later stage, discussing your family life may take over. Your learning needs adjust as the things that are most important in your life at any given time may change. Number two, routine. Check for routine tasks in your schedule, such as your commute to work or washing the dishes, and pair language learning material with that time. That way, you'll weave your learning into your routine so you can maintain it, always have time for it, and have triggers that remind you to keep learning. Number three, anchor points. Find anchor points. These are things that tie you to the language, like a musician, a TV show, or a local restaurant where you can use the language. Build friendships and connections in your new language to build a connection to the language. Do you have a language profile, routine, or anchor points? Share them with us in the comments for this episode over at languagehacking.com slash nine. Thanks for listening and enjoy your day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.